This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback. And I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cami here. First thing, are you following me on Instagram? For some reason, that's what I'm focused on this summer is like Instagram and making stupid videos. And I love it so much. And would, well, get in there. You know what I mean? Um, and follow and follow me and then watch the videos and then comment on them and share them around. And come on, I'm I have I have 217,000 followers as of this recording, but we could make it. My goal is 400,000 by the end of the summer. Is that possible? No, but you could make it possible. Um, So let's do that. Hey, speaking of the internet, that has nothing to do with what I'm about to talk about next. Today's guest is musician and host because Betty's got a new TV show coming out called The One That Got Away that actually sounds amazing. Betty, who is my guest today on the podcast. This is a great chat, a lot of energy going on. Please enjoy. And then go look at all my Instagram videos. They're so funny. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still holding on. Darling, I know, I know, I know it's careless. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hi, Cameron. Nice to meet you. Um, I always have guests introduce themselves. Would you start by introducing yourself? Oh my gosh, I'd be so happy to. Hi, my name's Betty Who, and I'm a, a singer, songwriter, entertainer, multi-hyphenate, I guess. <laughs> where, where are you? You're clearly I'm in a currently, hotel. I'm very clearly in a hotel. I'm sitting on the floor of my hotel in, uh, in New York City. I'm on the Lower East Side, actually. I'm here doing a bunch of press. I just put a song out, so it's like everything's all happening. It's very exciting. <laughs> what is that? I have no idea what the press cycle is like for music. Oh, um, oh because Cameron. I do not yet uh, make, make music. All uh, right. Nor, nor will I ever. Um, but yeah, what does that look like? <laughs> um, it's exhaustive. I mean, I think most anybody who's sort of like, you know, I'm sure, you know, from doing your own sort of, it it does. I think it's, we have some shared trauma here for sure, but, um, it's, it's good. I honestly, I'm, I think I'm trying to have a really good attitude about it. I'm really enjoying myself. I think I've come to, with having all so much time away from doing this thing, the place I'm trying to come at it from is like, this is what dreams are made of. This is the whole point. And like, when you have the moment when you're standing on stage in front of thousands of fans being like, oh my God, this is the moment. Like all of this stuff is what it takes to get there. And I know that, and I'm trying to be really grateful. And if I'm not having a good time while I'm doing it, then I'm doing it wrong. You know? Sh- sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah. What, what does it, but is it like, is it like radio interviews? Is it like, <laughs> It's a bunch of stuff. Yeah. So, so last night I played a showcase, um, a very intimate sort of showcase for some press and, uh, you know, community of mine where we're trying to get the word out about the record is going to be coming out later this year. And so we're just sort of, I, I wanted to have a night of playing some songs and talking about the music and kind of how it all came to be. You know, I'm going to Rolling Stone after this. Um, yesterday I went to Billboard, Ooh, you know, I, I did a radio, I did Stone. a couple. That's a, yeah, that's a fun, Yeah. That's a fun, Did a couple just... radio interviews yesterday, so it's all. Um, it definitely is kind of bouncing around. I'm also. I'm. We're. I'm, I'm promoting all the stuff at the top. I'm doing a. Uh, I'm doing an Amazon 
prime reality television show that I hosted is coming out in a week, a week from Friday. I'm not sure when this is airing, but it's coming out very soon. What is that? And it's called The One That Got Away. And I host this fabulous dating show where contestants come to see if the love of their future is dot, 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 hiding in their past. So we bring members of their people from their past through a portal to the present to see Uh if their love can sort of translate. It's kind of misconnection stuff. Is it actual time travel? Yeah, we are calling it a time traveling dating, a time travel dating show, which I love. Um, no, it's, it's really, really fun. And it's very, a totally new thing that I'm doing as well. So that comes out next week. So I'm also sort of running all over the place. I'm talking about the music. I'm also talking about the TV show. Um, so I'm kind of having a really fun week. It's great. That's great. Do you have somebody in your life or a group of people that you would zoom into your current reality to to think about as possible? Cameron, this is my, this is my favorite part about the show is how self referential it makes you so like uh every person that i have talked to about the show and i tell them the concept halfway through i see their eyes glaze over as they stop listening and start thinking about all the people from their past that would be that they would bring through the portal and i think that's kind of the best part about it i have a list my list is probably like there are probably like six people on the list that if if i was single i would be like yeah i want to I want, yeah. I mean, these, there are multiple people that come through the portal for our right. contestants. You know, That's they have to make decisions about who they <laughs> one, At one point, at one point, oh, this is a good one. At one point, I go up to one of the contestants who was literally on a date and I'm like, so good news and bad news. The portal has opened right now. I need you to decide do you want to stay on this date and see where this goes? Or do you want to come with me and see who's at the portal? And then so, you know who it is. And they don't even know who it is. So it's like painful. Like you have to make a decision. You're like, am I invested in this thing? Do I want to double down? Or do I want to see if there's like something better out there? It's very, it's really, it's a really good, it's really good. I really enjoyed making it. It does sound extremely fun. I'm trying to think if, I don't know. I think the tough thing about that is like, there's so much expectation when it's somebody that you, that you used to know. Like, okay, so divorcing this. There's actually history. Yes. divorcing this from the reality show that actually sounds really amazing, but like putting it into practice. Cause I think this is sure. right. I think this is something that like most people have thought of what in if? their life. Yes, and absolutely. especially like, I think a time this comes up is like right after a breakup. I think that's a 100%. great time to, but you're like, through. Oh, I used to be, this is yep, with this exactly. person. And this is how it felt. Then you're just searching for a sort of context, right? Especially in queerness, you know, it's not like those folks are, even hard to find or very far away. They're probably at the event you are currently at. Yes. So it's not even hard to do, to like really go down that path. But I think, I think sometimes I think about, I was just on the phone last week with uh, one of my girlfriends from like my twenties. And um, she had texted me a little bit and I was like, I'm just so curious what she's up to. And I gave her a call. We like talk every couple of years and just like, caught up with what's going on in her life. Everybody's partnered in this situation. So there wasn't really an expectation of anything besides a phone call. But it is funny because it's like this thing of we happened to line up when we were both living in Chicago, when we were both starving artists. She lives in like Berlin now. I live in cool. LA. We're having really different lives. I do Experiences. think that. Yes, exactly. Like it does feel like for me anyway, it's like you you bumped into each other, but then yeah. usually it doesn't sound like a parallel track 
Or if you went back later, I, yeah. They'd be in the same well, spot. I th- of course, of course. And also, I think that like you know, I do have some sort of cosmic belief that like what's meant for you is meant to be for you. And if something didn't work out, like. I think all the time about, you know, exes that I lo- still love to this day. I don't know if that ever goes away. You know, maybe it, right. maybe it does, maybe with time, but like all of these people that would be on my list that I know for sure, like I would see them whether, and so this is the interesting thing to, to bring it back to the show for one second, is the range of people that come into these these contestants' lives, right? So it's some of them are people that they knew in high school, but they were too afraid to talk to because they thought right. they were not cool enough, you know? And it's right. like, well... You might meet that person and be like, oh, I was obsessed with you in high school, but turns out you're literally the worst person ever. And I, this right. is the opposite. Like you've answered a question for me here. Like it's, it's such a fun social oh, experiment in that way. Satisfying. Yes. Yeah. Because you're like, you're, you're answering the question, what you have the opportunity, which most people never do to answer the question. Literally. What if, what if the one that got away didn't, and so how would that feel in your own life? You're six. Are they people you did have a chance to have a relationship with or are they people you never got that chance to have a relationship with? It's a little bit of both, I think. I think I think it's people that I loved and either didn't especially in my youth, I think we all most people have a habit oh of this. Oh my god. Stuff that you didn't handle well. Stuff that that you look back on and you go, I have so much compassion for the other person having to be on the other side of what turmoil was going on in my life and the way that that manifested in our relationship. Like now as an adult, I feel so much more capable of taking responsibility for myself and my own shit. And I think I was really bad at that when I was young. I think most people are. Oh, that's and so now now I think that's the, the thing that I look back. If, if I'm looking at my list, I'm, I'm looking at it going like, yeah, these are all people that like, I never quite said the thing that I really needed to say to them. Or I wow. never, I never had a moment with them that I thought they deserved because I was too immature or whatever it was. I think it's a lot of that for oh, me really personally. Interesting. I so what about I'm, you? Well, I think for me, I think it would actually be people I had like huge feelings for, but never, but never got to expressed pursue. because I was like, I, I see in another thing or too there's nervous, a lot of that. There's a lot of know? that on the show. It's like, I had like one of the contestants is like, I had a boyfriend and while I was dating him, I had a crush on this guy and my boyfriend used to get really jealous of him. And now that I'm not dating this boyfriend anymore, I'm going to date this person right. and see how it goes. Like there is a lot, a ton of that. Cause I think I, it's also so funny. Cause I think in relationships, right? Like it's especially when you're a queer person, I think the line between friendship and romance is is blurrier. Um, right. I mean, I think, you know, I don't want to speak for anybody, but I, for my in, in my own personal experience, I find that especially with women, it's so easy to fall in love with my, you know, women because they're fabulous. And you're <laughs> like, and we are friends and we're close and this intimacy is beautiful and safe. And there can be sort of blurry feelings and experiences in that, in that safety, in that intimacy, in that closeness that you can achieve with someone of the same sex. And I think it's, I think it's really interesting. We do have a queer character. Or we have a gay uh, character. He's a person. We have a gay contestant. <laughs> I we have a gay contestant. Yes. <laughs> we are still making a TV show. Um, no, we have, we have uh, I think we have a really, I believe we have a really diverse show, which I think is really cool. A producer told me, we should fact check this because I don't want to speak out of turn, but a producer told me that this is the first dating show that's ever had two Asian leads in it, which I think is bizarre and totally crazy but that we have two so we have like six incredible diverse wonderful people who have come to sort of dig into i think there's there's a lot of 
the thing you said about how much context and, and layers there are now with these people because they're relationships that already existed as opposed to like let's fall in love and like go with like the honeymoon phase like it's not about you know these people that's what's crazy and sure. so yeah that that emotional experience I found to be really moving as these contestants are experiencing it because you're it's bringing up stuff from the past you're having to look at yourself you're dealing with yourself in a way that that maybe other dating shows don't provide as much of an opportunity to and I think that's a really really like interesting part of it. Maybe I also am in an unusual position because of my job as a stand-up comic. And then I also like wrote a book. I actually have closed a lot of loops with people that mm. I used to be in relationship with because I like see them when I go to their yeah. town, one of my shows or I sent them a copy of my book because they were in it and then got to have like yeah. closure that is unusual. Um, so yeah, I, I think totally the book thing have... probably helps a bunch because you like got to work through it all. And when you're, <laughs> when you're storytelling like that, you're like, yeah. how am I, how do I really feel about this? Like, how do I say this? Yeah, actually, what do we, and it makes you go like, if I'm putting this down to paper and I know other people are going to read it, I have to be really clear about what I'm saying and how I'm saying it. And is this true to me in this moment right here? And like, you have to be really specific about it. And so I think that must've outside of then knowing that those people who you're sending it to are then also going to read it and experience it just for yourself. That feels like it must've been a really powerful experience. Yes. I might be the only person on the planet who does not need to be on this show, but I'm, <laughs> I'm I would still happily be a contestant, but yeah. Uh, but I, but I well, we're, I really, well, we're casting for season I mean, two. I'm so. so it's not right now. Yeah. Not, right now it's not. <laughs> yes. I understand. But, you know, um, yes. okay. So, so I guess I want to talk a little bit about just like sort of my first exposure to you and then like, sure. Wondering about, cause I feel like you are somebody that I saw kind of come onto like a party, like a, like a very fun, um, like the the music that I f first was seeing from you is like very fun. It's like queer. It's like a party. It's this kind of vibe. Is that, oh, is that, energy. is that your, <laughs> my vibe is, personally, <laughs> or is that like, is that, was that, is that an accurate des description of like your sort of, and I feel like I was like seeing you playing like every cool queer party, like something like yes. that. Like, that's sort I play, of what I, I was played first. like every pride in the country. So that's it's like, that's what I'm talking like, about is like 100%. literally like every joy. outdoor giant queer joy. Yeah. Yes. I think lots you, and lots of queer joy. You were on that, right? Is that like I, sort of the first, was that the first exposure to audiences that size that you had it, like this sort of, cause that I will just, the reason I'm asking about this is that as a comic, there is literally no worse crowd than the crowds you were playing for. It's so different with comedy and music mm, because of course, of course. literally like the death of stand-up is people who are drunk and don't really want to listen to what you're saying. Like that's hundred percent like impossible. Yes. And then Absolutely. Outdoors, I've done, I've done it. Like I've done, you know, I've done the prides, I've yes. done the outdoor festivals, I've done it. It's, Ouch. it's, I will certainly still do it if you pay me, but I, uh, it's <laughs> like, it's, it really is like one of those ones you just have to go home and be like, well, look, man. Yeah. It's I got like, my bag and I got out you of there. Know, exactly. hundred percent. And we all, the sky. of course. Yeah. But I don't know what that's like from a, for a musician. Maybe it's for, fun. I mean, I, I think uh, there are so many things that, uh, so many points you made. 
pride, I will say for me, there have been sort of the tough prides, of course. I'm, I think with pride, I have a different attitude a little bit about it though, because I'm sort of like, I have a reverence for the reason that we're all there, even if it doesn't feel like we're all there because, you know, because of repression at the, when you have that celebration, I think that part of me that really understands how special that is and how powerful queer joy is. Like if I'm at, you know, some pride that is like badly put together and everything's chaos, it's always chaos. Regardless that you can have the best promoters <laughs> and event planners on the planet. <laughs> And it is still chaos, madness. And so uh, you learn to, you know, let go and let God. And I just like, but I have this, I, I, I will tell you that I don't think I've ever been on stage at a pride and not had a moment of like, even if there are six people here, I want to be here for them to help them celebrate themselves because I just feel like it's such a gift. And I feel so grateful to have found my home and, and community. And I just feel like, I understand how important it is. And so there's always, especially if we're in like a small town and I'm like, oh, this is a little tough and a little bit of a weird crowd. I'm like, they need us more here than they do in New York. They need us here more than they do. We, we need to be in like Knoxville, Tennessee and Orlando, Florida and places where there are queer people everywhere right. <laughs> and they all need to be celebrated. And when we're in these big cities where it feels like the city, you know, the Empire State Building lights up with a rainbow for pride because it's like, you know, it's a part of the culture and community of these big metropolitan places. And I actually, there's something I really love about going to smaller towns and, and playing prides where I go like, I think this is more, almost more important. Have you had a chance to do, because all the ones that I'm aware of, again, they're like, it's like you're saying, it's like every city in the U.S., but have you had a chance to do a bunch of international prides? You know, I actually haven't at all. I, pl I played a London Pride event one time, which was very cool, but I was like, I think slated quite early. I don't think that many people got to actually come to the show. So I just, I haven't really, my biggest market is definitely in America. I think Australia would be my next biggest market right? because um, that's where I grew up. But I, and I had a song do quite well there on radio a couple of years ago, which is very exciting. And so I think that's definitely a place that I really want to spend more time just also because of family and friends. Um, but I'm really, I'm kind of like a, a US of A queen. I, I, I sell <laughs> tickets. I sell tickets here. This is my community. You know, I've, I've spent, it's also about time spent, right? I've done my 10,000 hours, like playing every club in this country. You know, I've really earned it and I've, I've worked my way up to, to be where I am. And I think in a really like, you know, when you're doing it on the touring circuit, I know you know more about this more than most, like you have to go out there and earn it because people are going to laugh or they're not, you know, mm -hmm. for you, for me, people are going to enjoy the show or they're not. And it's like, you learn very quickly and, and very intensely, but I, I always really appreciate that kind of um, school of hard knocks version of it. You know, I think right. I, I, you learn so much more, you accumulate so much more knowledge and kind of experience points, if you will. This is a, this has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but I don't want to, I would be remiss if I didn't mention it. Your hair looks amazing. Oh, really? I Thank think you. So, yeah. We have really powerful hair together here. Like I know we do have really light. powerful hair. I know it's, yeah. I slept on it today. Sometimes, you know, you blow it out and then the next day you're like, oh, this is really working for me. And this, yeah, this is my, my slept on. It, it looks really good. How long have Thank has you. this been the hair you're doing? I have had short platinum hair since I was 20 years old and I'm 30. So, so talk to me about what happened right before you had short platinum hair. Um, it's funny. So I, 
in high school, my hair was quite long and my hair's really curly also, a kind of a dirty blonde, natural color. And it just sort of got shorter and shorter. Like senior year, it was to my shoulders. And then my freshman year of college, it was like, I had this weird, short, like very unflattering kind of haircut. And I was just trying to figure out, I, so I, I got short hair the first year of college. And then I just kept trying to figure, hone in on my actual cut for it that really worked for me. It takes for sure. a while. <laughs> yes, it I does. think I feel like you relate. Um, and then I, I sort of figured out that I was like, Oh, I think I need to just like keep the more butch I went, the more cool I felt. And the more like, I felt like it was me. And I was like, Oh, maybe I just shave. So I've had it, my whole underside of my hair is all shaved off now. And so I think that happened maybe three, four years ago. And that's kind of been, I've been riding there for a little bit. And then what about the clothes that you're wearing? Because I feel like I've seen you in a femier thing. Am I nuts? Mm -hmm. No, this is, this is sort of a, it's not new for me because I've been living at home with myself and outside of the public eye that people are perceiving me for the first time. And everybody's kind of been like, oh, you're doing, you're doing a little bit more of a dad thing. And I, it's, you know, it's definitely been a work in progress of kind of finding myself. And I think with taking, taking the time away from the world, all of us did for a couple of years. I've, I have been working on just sort of like looking around at my life going like, what do I really care about? What don't I care about? What feels like me? What have I been doing just because everybody else does? And I have never really thought that I had the right to do it differently. And clothing is one of those things that I've had a, a real kind of renaissance moment with in the last, especially couple months, but the last couple of years I've been sorting through it just because I I'm six foot two. I'm really tall, like tall for a person, not just tall for a woman. And so like my clothing body trauma from just like never fitting in both like literally fitting into clothes and also sort of like, you know, systematically being like the tallest person in the back of the picture. And you're sort of right. like, it's like, it becomes the, your identity in this sort of strange way. Um, and, and I've always wanted to be five foot nothing and 95 pounds because that's like what all of my idols in pop music have always been. I and so I've been you. like fighting <laughs> against five, the four. thing. I've always wanted yeah. to be See, two. of course, grass is always greener. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but that's what I'm saying. So I feel I, like the first time I saw, I feel like you were like wearing heels. And that like, you were, yeah, maybe I, for a while possible? I loved, I, I love, absolutely. I love, I love a heel. I haven't worn a heel in like four, three years at this point, but I do, uh, I think being a very tall woman and continuing to wear heels is a very power, like it's a power move. And I really do right. like it. I love being like six foot seven in a room and I'm like, yeah, look up to me. I will not, <laughs> I will not slouch to speak to you. You know oh, what I mean? It's a real power experience. move. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's, actually it is that's pretty. not true. I've been on a stage. And being in yes. the stages means that you're the tallest person in the room. So Absolutely. I've had that experience um, a million times. So wait, I want to ask you some other questions about this. So how is this changing also outside? Right now, like I'm talking to you in your hotel room. Like, I don't yeah. know. Is this also changing in your public persona, what you're wearing? Yes. I am in a phase of experimenting right now. I think that I have realized what I definitely know is that I don't feel comfortable doing what I have been doing anymore. So now I'm going, okay, well, how do I want to do it then? And I think the biggest thing that I have yet to solve is what I want to wear on stage. I think it's a real battle for me still. I think in, in the world, when I'm doing press, I just, I feel so comfortable 
wearing clothes that feel like they actually fit me, which turns out is men's clothes because they're made for taller people. Literally, that's like as simple as it was. I was like, what if I just wore what looked like it was looked good on my body? And the second I unlocked that, I was like, oh, I only shop at men's. I don't want to see a woman. I want a suit. It has to be a men's suit. I don't want a women's cut of a suit to be within a hundred feet of me. Like I am so finding something and it's making me feel really powerful. And also I think so much of for better and for worse, I'm someone who likes to be perceived by the world at large. And and my perception of myself has come through so much of the way that people speak to me about me. And so I had to work through a lot of that during quarantine. I didn't have anybody to perceive me. So I was like, oh, this really has to be about me and what I want and how I feel, which is kind of where all of these questions and conversations came from. And now that I'm going back out into the world, very tentatively and quite vulnerably being like, I don't know if I figured it out yet, but this is, I think the new thing that I'm doing that makes me feel good about myself and really like proud of myself. How do you guys feel? You know, the way that I have been held and sort of like perceived by everyone around me being like, this is such a cool vibe for you. I'm like, oh, great. Okay. If you guys are like, nobody else, nobody, nobody cares. No one has like hateful thoughts about it. We're all safe here. Like, I guess I'm just going to do what feels really good and makes me feel cool and powerful and hot. You know, I think that's all you want to feel. I mean, this is, you know, I I think about this a lot, which is why I'm asking you about it. And I think that anybody who's listening who, you know, we have really specific jobs, but the translation here is like every queer that I talk to that doesn't really understand, that has like a harder time figuring out formal wear or like work wear, mm, because I really yes. think that those things are things that have like... <clears throat> Heavily here is gendered, the women's heavily, version here exactly, is the they men's have heavily version. gendered expectations yes. like like on the weekend jeans like even that the cut is so different but and, they're yes. all jeans like it's like yes, and yes then, i do you know, i know exactly what you mean so then, i love but, having this conversation with you i'm so happy to be talking about yeah this. but like to a wedding it's like there's yeah. not even that level of overlap that's like yeah. we wear t-shirts and jeans on the weekend you know it's like yeah to a wedding to to uh to give a presentation at your job you know and i think this is something that a lot of people have to navigate because then there are expectations around like professionalism and like taking the job seriously and yeah just the the we are not the only people who are looked at we it's like more acute in yeah. that like there are specific times and places where i'm very aware that that's what's going to happen but it just i find that this yeah. is like, a pretty queer experience because then the, then the yeah. other side of it is also the person that I hear from so much that's like, well, I don't read as queer. So like then that has its own yeah, set of, course. of challenges. Um, but yeah, for Possibly me, privilege. I'm constantly, yes, both end. Um, but I'm, I feel like I'm constantly navigating stage where I'm like doing something right now mm. that I have not done previously. And I'm curious to see how long I stick with it where I'm wearing like, um, sort of I guess sort of boot cut jeans would be what they are with like a t-shirt tucked in Mm. and then cowboy boots with like a more aggressive heel and it's like I think in my mind cool vibe but yeah yeah I think in my mind it's like dazed and confused is what I is what I hope sure that it looks totally although I'm with you I don't I'm I am a not real thin person so um but I'm I'm very thin. I'm just yeah. like rail thin, so clothes don't drape on me. They sort of like yeah. they sort of frame my bod. And well, so- I I do a lot of I do really oversized for that. 
because like, that's also the other thing is I think the shame of, of getting a fit that you like, because you're afraid of the size on it. Like that was something that I had to really come to terms with being like, okay, if I want something that fits me like tight, 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 I'm a large, if I want something that feels in a t-shirt, if I want something that looks like I'm sleeping in someone much bigger than me's t-shirt, which is kind of the look I need to XL minimum. And I'm like, I, I was, it spent so, I spent so long being like, well, I don't, I don't want to buy, you know, I would, I would buy a medium and then never wear the shirt because I was telling somebody that I was buying medium or like it made me feel better or whatever it was. It's such a silly, arbitrary thing, but it, it did that kind of shame of having to size up live, did live somewhere in my subconscious. And so the second I was like, literally who cares? I just want to look cool. I just want to feel cool. I want to feel good about myself. And the second that I sort of arrived at that place, I was like, oh, like literally who cares? That's so interesting. I mean, I, I hear you. That makes so much sense for me. I do tend to want to wear things that at least on stage, maybe not so much in my, in my like, uh, civilian life, but on stage that are a little bit tight. Um, because I have large breasts that if I, if like the shirt, like Mm. hits the end of my boobs and comes down, I'll, I'll tell you who does an amazing job and who has like changed my perception of what can be worn in public is Billie Eilish because yeah. like her, the way that absolutely the way that t-shirts look on her, where, where, um, they obscure her figure to a degree that like, cause it's, I have that body. I have the, the yes. body that she does. And I think for me, gender wise, I, I feel like it like makes me look like I'm a, just a different size than I am. And it also, I know exactly what you mean more feminine than I want to look. So I have leaned toward, how do you feel about binders? If I may ask. Yeah, it's a great question. I don't bind. I don't, I, for a while I wore in my twenties, I wore that like very sleek and comfortable combination. That was like a sports bra with, do you remember those, like those, like in those tank tops that had a bra in them? Yeah, of course. Oh, but yeah. Like, but course. I would wear a tank top Double. With, that, with that bra in it. And so I would like smash myself down as much as possible. I don't, for me personally, I actually like the definition of individual breasts, which I feel like that just kind of made everything look like it was like yeah. one sheet. And yeah. it's not like what I prefer. Maybe someday I would, I have thought about and like taking some steps towards like maybe it's a breast reduction, but I also think there's other options which are just like like when I see my boobs, I honestly feel like this is just to me. It actually feels like it looks like pecs to me when I look cool. at my boobs. Like that's what it it's looks only, like. It's only it's just about your perception of yourself. That's all. That, yeah. That's all that really actually matters. Of it's course, so as you, you see as you see yourself, and I'm I'm trying to really work through this. I like I will binding for me is like a depends on the day situation. Like some days I feel the same way as you where I'm like, I want like a real bra to look like a real bra. And then other days I'm in a t-shirt and I'm like, I don't want to feel particularly, I want to look more masculine today. And I want to feel like that person today. And I, I'm such a Libra. I feel like that's a balance. Giving myself When's also the October 5th. Oh, mine's October 17th. Oh my October gosh. 5th. Okay. Look at us. See, Look this makes going. so much sense. Yeah. Um. Well, I'm so I'm trying to find my way to like, giving myself also the under the balance and space to be where I'm at the day that I'm there, as opposed to think that just because I bought a binder and now I have to wear it every single day, everywhere that I go. And that's my identity now. And that's who I am. I think I'm really trying to give myself a ton of space right now while I 
figure this part out. And, and I also know that I'm going to take some missteps. And like, I think I'm also coming to Billy for me, same, very, very similar experience. And I love that you brought her up. I think that I, when I think about pop music and I think about performers who I look up to, their body is their vessel. And it is the way that they tell the story that they want to tell on stage. And because I'm a dancer, I do feel like I relate to that. And I dance a lot on stage. And so that's, that is a part of the thing that I do, but then it ties into your body being about your value, your value. And if you don't feel like you look good enough on stage and at my thinnest, at my fittest, I look at myself on stage and I still, all I do is critique myself, especially when I'm, and I have this thing where I think I should be naked on stage. Cause I think I look, I look better when I'm wearing less clothes. And now I'm trying to be like, well, what if I do it, do the opposite and just experiment with it and see how it feels. I'm like really trying to find my, my way, my way there. But I keep telling, I keep reminding myself, like every time I feel bad about myself or I'm having a moment in my body, I keep being like, nobody listens to my music because I'm thin. No one comes to my shows because I'm skinny. It's about the songs. My value in this world and in my career has nothing to do with my physical form. This is the body I'm in. I don't want to hate the reality of my life anymore. I've been, I spent so long being like wishing it was different and it's not, this is my body. How cool. It's fine. I'm fine here. And there will be times when I look at myself and I think it's 10 out of 10. I've been in the gym two hours a day, fucking seven days a week for six months. And I go, look at me, I earned this. And then there are times when I don't do that. One that, that time is right now. And that's, I think why I'm also having I'm having to think about it so much is because I'm not feeling like I'm in my best self physically. And so I'm like, I don't want my experience in the world to be about my physical body and perception. If I just take that off the table, what does that feel like? What does it look like? And for me dressing, you know, sometimes more masculinely, but especially like sort of in less stuff that makes me feel, it just makes me feel uncomfortable when I think about wearing like stuff that my side, you know, my side is popping out and I have a little muffin top thing. I'm like, uh, no matter how comfortable or hot people think that I look, what's happening in my head is me saying like, oh my God, are people seeing my, am I uh, like, am I, do I look bad? Do I look fat? And I'm like, I don't want, I don't want to think about it. I want to be like, I know I look cool. When I wear a suit to an event, the number of women who come up to me and they're like, I wish I was wearing what you're wearing. And I'm like, gals, anybody can, you can do whatever you want. That makes you feel good. And, and if that's wearing the tiniest mini skirt that make is like the hardest thing to work in, walk in on the planet, then I love that for you. But like giving yourself permission to wear something that makes you feel actually comfortable. is like, sounds like such a, now that I'm saying it at the end of this, like, you know, monologue, I'm just like, it sounds so stupid, but it's, and it sounds so easy, but it's not. And it's taken me a long well, time. Think, I'm yeah. still in it. I don't think it sounds easy or stupid. Um, I, I would also imagine that when did you, when, what age were you when you reached the height that you are now? 12, I, 12 years old. I've been six foot since I was 12. And I would imagine that people probably talk to you a lot about your body size and have for your entire life. And then especially like. It's the first thing people see when they meet me. It's like right. the number one, like that is how I come into the world and people go, whoa, you're tall. And I spent yes. literally the first 10 years of my career yes. actively making creative choices to try and not have that be the case when that is just the reality of my life. And now yes. I'm like, oh, I just have to, that has to be the thing now. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, and then I would also imagine that like, and I think that's true for for like all women who are tall. And then I would add to that, that like when you're somebody who performs on stage, then people love to comment on like the discrepancy between their perception of you and like what you are when they first meet you. So I would imagine it's, 
it's that even more heightened, you know, especially like the music industry, people want to talk about your look a lot. So um, I got to say, I mean, everything you're saying doesn't, it doesn't sound weird. It actually just sounds like, how could you not sort of internalize that? I think, yeah. I think it's really hard to receive a ton of feedback around something and um, not like be affected by that. I mean, I think that's, I think that's what, that's like what people are talking about when they're talking about microaggressions. Um, you know, yeah. the, I was just, I just the other night I was, I was like, I had this audition that my, my wife like read the script with me and then I got a call back and like was meeting with the producers and I, I got, I like got in the room and well, the zoom room and was just like, Oh, this is going terribly. <laughs> and after the, after the call, I like went and sat down next to my wife and I was like, that like felt like it went so badly. And my wife was like, you know, that script was like, not for you. Right. And I was like, mm. what? And she was like, it was like a stereotype of like, a. I, there was like, I like knew people involved in the project and usually I can sniff this out, but I don't know how I like missed it, but it was, it was like the punchlines that this person was supposed to be hitting. It was like a butch lesbian, but the punchlines were like, calling somebody a bitch or like talking about having a period or like trying to totally like, fuck everybody. And it was just like, well, it was yeah. like this person that I'm not like, like, I'm so glad that like Leah Delaria exists and she's a little too old for the particular role, but like this role was meant for Leah, who's so good mm -hmm. at what she yeah. does, at but that. like, yeah. I'm not, that person and sometimes of I course. try to be and um well and that's like a huge maybe learning lesson I think every person especially in, in the creative business but in so many in so many worlds when when you miss an opportunity or something it's easy to be like to linger for it especially as an actor and it's like all you do is get turned down you know it's like I can't tell you how many auditions I've been out on in the last four years well sent in for because now we don't go out on auditions anymore and I, I like I haven't booked a thing you know I've been in one movie I've taken probably 250 auditions. You know what I mean? It's like, that's not a great ratio. That's out. That's, you know, that's, you get really used to being rejected and it can be really defeating. And I think that understanding, having some kind of fundamental belief that the thing that will be right for you isn't any of these things is really hard to believe when you have yet to find the thing that is right for you. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, well yeah. said. to talking about um i mean if that's all true but you do have this other massive thing going on what is your new song talk to me about your new song yeah my um my new song is called blow out my candle and it is a song about perseverance <laughs> it's about all the things we've been talking about to be honest with you it's about I, the, the actual stem of the thought came from funnily enough, this is like kind of feels like a stereotype, but I was in a soul cycle class <laughs> and the soul cycle instructor, you know, sometimes in a workout class, it will just get you like your endorphins are pumping and you're, you're feeling really like, you know, vulnerable. And someone just says the thing at the right time that hits you. And you're like very, very emotionally moved by it. So this, this soul cycle instructor, Angela, said she turned off all the music and I was like oh but she's about to get fucking real and she was like you god whatever you want to call it 
who, whatever you want to call the thing in the universe that is your thing. God showed you a vision for what your life is supposed to be, who you want to be, your biggest dreams and aspirations. You were shown that vision. Nobody else has seen it. Why are you getting your feelings hurt that nobody else can see it? God didn't show it to them. God showed it to you. And now it's your job to go show it to everybody else. Don't be, get, don't be mad at everybody else for not seeing it. Why would they? And I was like, oh, wait, my, oh. wait, I've never been to a soul cycle class. Is this what it's like? She, that's, it was, this is what it was this day. It's not always like this. Usually it's like, yes, let's get it. Five, six, seven, eight. But yeah, that's really my perception from television. But it was, uh, this it was sounds very like it is a whole different thing. Therapeutic. Yeah. Some, some, I feel like some teachers really will get into it and they'll follow the spirit. And I love that. But wow. she really like, it was such a, and she was like, I don't know who needs to hear this. This is how she started. She was like, I don't know who needs to hear this, but I know somebody in here does. And she said it. And I was like, oh, I feel like you just spoke like from like, the big girl upstairs directly to me. It's, I felt like it was a very spiritual moment for me. And so the whole song is about basically the, the verse goes like, you don't know me, you don't get it. Like you really sold me, but you never met me halfway. It's just talking about like someone trying to sort of either hold you back or bring you down or not encourage you in the choruses. I won't stop running down that road. I'll keep dancing till I die. You can blow out my candle, but you'll never put out my fire. And so it's about like, I can't, if, if this is going to be the thing that makes me quit and makes me like not believe in myself, like that sucks. It won't be like, who cares? Fuck you. Or also not fuck you. You're busy. Good for you. I guess like take care of yourself. Don't care about me. Don't look over here. I'm going to be chipping away and getting to where I always said I was going to be. And in one year, five years, 30 years, I'm going to look around and go, I told you, I told you I was going to do it. And, and I have to believe that. Do you, where, how, where do you feel like you are on that? <laughs> on, on my scale of, of looking around going, see mom. <laughs> um, good to know. Who, like, good to know who you are. <laughs> no, it's not. Mom. Are you kidding? My parents. I'm so, I'm so lucky. I I'm so like, it's funny. I don't feel there are definitely people. I think having, having people who don't believe in you is really, really important on your journey of growth. I believe that. I think that it gives you something to prove and I work very well with having something to prove. And so I definitely have like a shit list in my head that lives, you know, somewhere deep in a, in a the box in my mind palace palace somewhere that is all of the people who didn't see it, didn't see the vision, didn't get it, didn't believe in it. And I, every time I get somewhere that I feel like is somewhere that they said I wasn't going to be, it makes that arriving there 10 times sweeter. And so I think that there's, I've hit a couple of those milestones. I think I have like a couple very specific ones in mind and I'm, I am cautiously optimistic that I am absolutely on the right path and journey to go where I always said I was going to go. I, I believe in myself more now than I ever have, probably. Gosh, that's so interesting. I mean, I feel like I've been spending the last couple of years. Um, I mean, I'm a little older than you, and I have spent the last no, not not a little. I'm ten years older than you. So l- allow me to speak from the future. Are you eighty one? Eighty one, baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm. Oh my god. I'm a ninety one Libra. This is so cool for us. Yeah. So um, I agree with you. I think when you're thirty, or at least when I was thirty. Um, I did sort of hold people, places, and things, um, 
close that had wronged me. And I really, really use that for mm. fuel. And I do think that's, I think that's the right era. I'm very curious yes. to any, I'm very curious to hear from any listeners that have to say about this. So I feel like when I was 20, I was like, well, and also when I was 10, when I was 10, I was like going through collecting my first round of people that were going to, that were fucking with me. And then when yeah. I was 20, I was collecting my second round of people. And then when I was 30, I was holding those people really close and using it as fuel for, for a fire as an engine, um, to get to the next place that I wanted to be. And then now that I'm 40, what I've been working on is like sort of having a little funeral for all of those mm. people, places and things. And like, saying goodbye because I have gotten to the other side of that engine being useful. Like I think, um, I just didn't want to live the rest of my life. Totally gone. And also like, if something good happens, the first thing I think about is the person who is a dick to me. Yeah, totally. I would totally, you know, I just got to the place where I wanted it to be that the first person I thought about was, the person who's kind to me, myself, also, yeah, uh, and like, good for you, you know, not for anybody else. Yeah, sunsets absolutely. and shit like that. Um, but I don't think it's like a skippable thing. And I, it sounds like you're, it's yeah. like I love where you're at, and I have, yeah, been there. And I think I, it's like, I think it's like that is exactly right. Yes. Yeah, I do. I do think I have a fairly, a, a fairly healthy attitude towards it because I think I also, at this point in my life, I have so. I have so much compassion for the human condition and how hard life is for most people. Like I, I really, I just, I have so much love and space in my heart for people to make the wrong decisions because that's exactly, that's all we do in life is literally fuck it up until you go, Oh my God, I think I, this is the one time I might not have fucked it up and then try to continue to do that. Like you have to get it wrong to get it right. I believe that. And so I think, the people in my life who it's, I, I am also lucky. I've had so, so much support and belief from the people closest to me. Like, I think that's a really important factor is to have like, you have to in equal amounts, Libra, you have to have the people who don't believe in you to inspire you and drive you, but you have to have the people who ride with you and, and validate your belief that you are worth something and meant to be in this place. And so I think we are, I feel like I've found a really good balance of like my shit list does exist, but it isn't, those aren't the people I, I definitely don't think of them first. I definitely think of like my parents, myself. I do have that thing of like the people who have wanted this to be true for me. I, I do feel pressure, you know, about the number of people who have invested their time and energy and money and passion and lives into making what is like fundamentally a silly childhood dream come true, you know, <laughs> like, and that's so, it's such a crazy fact of our, our business and the thing that we do entertainment. Like I, I believe in the power of music. That's why I do it. I believe that music is a gift that it changes lives, that it saves lives. And, and I know that to be true. And so as much as like, I, you know, I also like to diminish it and go like, you know, isn't this silly? But then also I go, well, it's, I I believe in the cause enough that I have dragged everybody else along with me. But like on days when it's not going well, I look around and I'm like, whoa, like if this doesn't work out, like what, if this doesn't go where everybody has always said it's going to go, how are, how are all of those people going to feel? I've, I failed them more than I failed myself. Oh boy. I mean, 
I hear you. Such is life, you know, but I think also, I I mean, it's it's a weird business. Yeah. I mean, it's also that thing of like, you might already be there. Yeah. Oh, of course. And I I don't mean to sound as though I'm, I don't mean to sound as though I am not self-aware about the fact that like, I I'm already living so many people who want to do the thing that I'm doing would look at me and go, you've already, you're already made it. You're doing it. No. Yeah. Not self-awareness. It's not that it's more so just <laughs> like, I, I think I'm trying to send some encouraging vibes and say like, I know, I know what you mean about people making sacrifices and supporting and like, I also understand what it's like. I mean, you're giving these numbers of like, I'm auditioning 250 times. I think for me, sometimes I can like, I don't know anybody that, that has, that could like absorb that and then really appreciate the wins. I I think it's very, very difficult to do that. I don't actually, I don't actually think I can do that for myself. Hmm. And I think that's kind of why we have to do it for each other. Cause I don't totally know that that's like something that anybody could metabolize. Like how, how could you, how can I do It's like actually not possible. And especially since the goalposts keep moving, you know, my friends who are like incredibly successful, they want stuff that I also want, but that feels like a wild dream. And then for them, it's just like two steps away. So I just think, yeah, I think anyway, it's, I think it's, Something, something I got really attached to. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And, and I will say about the, especially about the auditioning thing, like I have real, I have had such a, uh, such a new compassion and understanding for my actor friends who that is their whole life. Like for me, acting is a passion and that's why I do it for me. Like music is always going to be the 10,000 hours. That's always going to be where I know that I, music is the thing I will go to bat for and say, I deserve to be in this room basically everything else in my career i'm like i don't fucking know i'm i mean i'm down sure you want me sounds great but like i have zero <laughs> business being here and i love that it gives me freedom it means that yeah. i i love these sort of that's why i'm loving doing all these different things and i'm trying to expand myself into these different areas because there is such right. a freedom and having less stakes and music has such high stakes for me and so for acting I I have fallen in love with it and I, and I feel like over the last, I think it's been about four or five years that I've been auditioning pretty or about four that I've been auditioning pretty aggressively. And I, you know, I booked one movie and I was on set for four days. You know what I mean? And I was like, I want to be on set for 400 days. I love (laughs) making film and TV. It's so fun. And the only way that I have not truly been like, this is garbage and I'm miserable is because I have other things to validate because I have music because acting is not my one thing that I'm supposed to live and die by. And I just, I have so much sympathy for my uh, actor friends who that's their one and only thing that they do. And when you're working, it's the best thing in the world. And when you're not, it is, it is fear. It is so, there's so much fear and scarcity mindset that is like forced upon you, no matter how much you try to live in an abundance mindset and go like, the right thing will be for me and it's all going to be good. It's like the entire business is scarcity mindset in acting. And that's hor- horrifying. It's like, I don't know. I don't know how you sustain it literally, but I, I do I, have I, a mission post COVID. I've decided I'm trying to be making decisions about the person I want to be in this business to my peers, like what my, like how I'm going to present and be. And I've decided, A, I'm going to bring big wedding energy to every event. 
That is my vibe. <laughs> I get the I get the dance floor started. I will say hi to everybody. I'm going to work the room and have. I'm going to make everybody have so much fun. A, B. I'm going to actively go out of my way to celebrate my peers, support them personally as well as publicly. Look them in the eyes when I get the chance and say, "Hey, are you feeling incredible about yourself?" Because I know things can be really hard, but you have worked your ass off and you deserve this moment. Like I hope you're taking it. Like I want to be the person who can be the one sometimes to come in and say like, it's, it is very hard to celebrate yourself and kind of, it's, it's nice when someone who knows what that feeling is like. And I do think it's kind of a specific feeling. And so to have your a peer who genuinely knows what the experience is to come in and say, Hey, snap out. Hey, wake up a little bit, snap out of it. Like, this is a cool thing you're doing. You deserve this. You're amazing. High fives all around. Believe in yourself. Call your mom. You know what I mean? I think that's really important. I wanted more of that from my peers when I was coming up and I didn't feel like I had a lot of that. So I want to be that for other people. I love your, well, I love these two tasks. Yeah. It seems like you're already in them and I'm going to also- I'm doing it already. It's great. Please. Um, Yeah. They seem seem like a really good way to be. And um, I think before I send you back into your day, first of all, thank you so much for your time. So yeah, nice to you meet too. You on the floor of your hotel. Room. Thank you. Uh, thank you for like pushing through, even though we were having internet difficulties. No, I, I um, appreciate you bearing with me. Of course. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you the question I ask everybody that I interview before we, before we head out, which is um, for you to shout out a queero, which is a person, place, or thing that made you feel that you could be who you are today. Mm, that's nice. Um, oh, there are a lot and I have to think about, okay. It's not a famous person. Is that okay? Can it yes, be someone it personal in my life? Okay. 100%. I have, I actually, it's funny. I'll tie it into promo as well. My publicist will be so pleased. <laughs> I wrote a song. <laughs> I wrote a song on this new album that's going to come out later this year um, about one of my best friends from high school. Her name is Kenna. And Kenna was one of the first people in my life who was so comfortable at such a young age. I was lucky to go to art school. And so, so many young people at my art school, like more people were gay than straight. It was like way cooler to be gay. Like I remember straight kids that I would think to myself being like, they're coming out because everybody's out and they're wanting to fit in and find themselves. And I'm pretty sure in a couple of years, they'll be like, I actually, I think I might, they'll have to come out as a, as a heterosexual. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, sure. so that was the experience, right? So it's already a very safe space. Even in that I have so much internalized queer shame, so much internalized, like, um, kind of like heteronormativity. Like this is the path. This is the way. And I, when I was 15, Kenna, was like she, one day she would go on a date with a boy and then like you know six months later she was like I'm like, I'm gonna see this girl and I remember thinking to myself like I think that being strong queer people is very important and you have to tell the story and through representation and all of that but there is also something so beautiful and meaningful about the the quietness of queerness when it is so ca- so casual and comfortable mm. and safe that it's not a huge story. It's not a huge moment. It's not a gasp, a gasp conversation. And I remember having that first experience at a really young age, looking at this young woman who had everything to be afraid of and was afraid of none of it. And she didn't give a fuck about what anybody thought about her. And because of that, nobody thought anything but great things about her. They were like, Oh, that's just Kenna being Kenna. 
And I was so moved by her, how herself she was able to be. And I think I'm like now, 15 years later, like just beginning to touch where Kenna was already at in high school. And she like changed my life because of it. And I think I remember like some of the conversations she had with me, she was so mature and she gave me so much space to figure myself out while she was being my queer, honestly. What's up, Kenna? That's awesome. I love that. Shout story. out to Kenna. Shout out to Kenna. Betty, Shout out thank to Kenna. you so much for your time. And uh, God, thank you so much you for having me. I love having this conversation with you. So yeah, fun. it was great. It was great to talk to you and um, see you out there. Like, I cannot wait yeah, to I'm attend sure. one of your shows. I yeah. hope so. I think, have you, have you, have you, have you been to like an official show, not just a pride one? Have you seen no. a Betty who like no. headlining show? No. Cameron. We're going to change that. Man, oh man, do we got to get You got a record it. coming out. I know I'm going to have a chance. So You definitely will. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll see you in LA. Thanks for having <laughs> I'll me. I'll see you in LA. Yeah. You okay. bet. Thanks, you guys. Thank you. Thank you.